You're listening to Real Talk for Real Men, episode number four. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello there. Welcome back to Real Men 24-7 podcast, Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen, and I'm here with Mr. Podcast Voice himself, Chris Field. Good to be back, Chris. Nice to be with you again. So on the show today, we have a man that I met six months ago at a business conference in Los Angeles. We were sitting at the same table, and we were discussing online marketing, and somehow the topic got onto the subject that we're going to talk about in the show. All around us, we hear of marriages breaking up. In the USA in 2015, there were 17 divorces per 1,000 married women over 15 years. And Professor Philip Cohen from the University of Maryland was cited on a Bloomberg article in June 2016 as stating that 52.7% of marriages end in divorce, with skyrocketing rates of divorce amongst older married couples. The average divorce age for men is in their mid-40s, with the average age of the marriage about 12 years. Divorces happen, obviously, for a variety of reasons. But ever since the Bible times, there's been one reason more than most that has justified divorce. Matthew 5, 32, for example, says, But I say unto you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. So whether you're a Christian or you're a secular or of other religions, then generally you feel justified at divorcing if your partner has an affair commits adultery. Estimates are that 25 to 40% of women and 50 to 60% of men will have an affair during the lifetime of their marriage. And that's from goodtherapy.org. As devastating as it must be to find your wife or husband has had an affair, as many as 35% of marriages survive and even thrive in the years afterwards. So we're going to find out on today's show how to survive an affair. And our guest today is a man who has walked the talk on this and answered the question, yes, it can survive. And the man on the spot is Mr. Phil Sherwood. Welcome to the show, Phil. Thanks, guys. Great to be with you. So this is the first time, actually, that we've done a show from across the sea. And uh, we're in Australia. And where are you calling us from? I'm coming from North Carolina in the USA. Okay. Somewhere I haven't been, but I've heard it's a beautiful spot. Now, thanks for joining us on the, on the show, Phil. Phil, as we get going looking at this subject, you're actually perfectly happy to talk about the fact that your wife's been unfaithful to you and had an affair? I'm not happy to talk about it, but uh, I think it needs to be talked about. And obviously you've done it before. You've talked to other men, different groups at times about this sort of subject. Yeah. So give us a bit of the background then, tune in our listeners to exactly what happened in your marriage that put you in that situation. Okay. Uh, I met my wife, Tawana, in college, and uh, we were young. We got married. I was 21, and she was 19, and uh, just had an ideal life. Three years later, we had our first child, a daughter. And then a couple of years later, we had a son, which is the perfect match. And the, we always joke because I wanted more kids and she wanted none at the start of our marriage. But she made me promise that if we had a boy and a girl that we could stop. So 
we stopped and we have a, a son and a daughter. Uh, what was your profession at that time, Phil? What was your wife doing? My wife was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And and I was a, a computer programmer, mm -hmm. a systems programmer for a for first a, a university in Texas and then a grocery chain in Texas. But when we started having kids, we decided that she would be a stay-at-home mom because we thought that was extremely important for mom to be there with the kids as they're growing up. So, um, yeah, just to get you up to speed, we uh, plugged into a church. We uh, did life together. I mean, everything was humming along. Eventually, our kids grow up. They graduate from high school. I'm still really involved in the church, and um, things are really intense at this uh, small church that we're at, and so it's taking a lot of my time. I went into business for myself. Uh, I have a software company that I run. That was taking a lot of my time, and I, I think during that period, the church and my job became my wife. And we lost communication there for a few years. Mm -hmm. I presume at that point, you probably weren't even aware of that. It was just, just the, the pace of life itself. Yeah, it was just life. I mean, it was just the way you do things. It's not a conscious decision that you make. It's you feel like you're doing what you have to do to, uh, you know, get ahead, survive, and you're doing things you enjoy. And she's doing things she enjoys. And like they say, you drift apart slowly that you don't even notice it. So what was the wake up shock? What actually happened? Well, we had been married uh, 28 years and things uh, were okay with us. I mean, we, we would snipe at each other a little bit and, um, but that was, that was normal. But then she just quit talking to me as, as far as sharing things with me. I noticed that she was sharing more online than she was sharing with me. And, um, our son had a, a health scare, and so she flew out to Texas to be with him and had to take him to the emergency room. And I found out his condition and what was going on through Facebook because she posted on Facebook rather than telling me. And so that, that started me thinking, something's wrong here. Something is amiss. And a couple months later, uh, things just totally felt off. And so I, uh, while she was gone, brought up her computer, her Facebook came up, and I started looking at some of her direct messages. And they happened to be to an old boyfriend from high school. And that's when I realized that something had gone down. And all the blood drained from my face and my body and I felt like a ghost. And, um, yeah, that, that's what you call D day. The, the day that you find out 
that uh, your spouse has had an affair. Right. So, so, so just stepping back a little bit. So leading up to this, you know, the fighting it eased off and it was more, it was more ice going on in the relationship than fighting. Would that be a fair, fair call? Yeah, that's, that's probably what you, how you could describe and, it. And this was, and this was 28 years with a marriage. So I'm guessing that, you know, your kids, your youngest kid had left home. So you've got an empty nest and you're, you're off doing your own things. Yeah, actually, at that time, our daughter was married, and uh, she had just had our first grandchild. Right. And so our first grandchild was about to turn one to have her first birthday when I found out. And um, my daughter works with me in the business, and... Unfortunately, she was there at the house working with me that day that I found out. And so she knew something was wrong just by the look of my face. And so she she kept talking to me and, and asking me what had happened. And I finally, not going into details, but just told her something was wrong with me and her mom. And so that's how she found out something was going on. You talk about the blood draining out of your face. That's the big kick in the guts. How right. hard is that to survive? That, uh, wow. Yeah, there's a great quote from one of my favorite books on the subject. The, the book is Not Just Friends by Dr. Shirley Glass. And in that book, she says, if there were a Richter scale for emotional earthquakes, the discovery of an affair would register at the outermost end of the dial. It's, and it's equated to PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome. You, your whole physiology changes. It's hard to breathe. It's definitely hard to think. You're in a fog. And you, you go into survival mode. You start thinking, how, how do I make this right? How do I fix this? Now, different men are going to respond differently. I mean, some would get on the phone or get on the next flight uh, and they'd want to have a face-to-face confrontation. Others would shrink away and just whimper, thinking that they were probably all to blame or whatever. What was your natural mode, your natural response to this? My natural response was to find out why. Why had this happened? You know, why did she do this? Um, and, and my initial uh, process was to, you know, try to be the best husband I could be. Uh, and th- that's one thing that um, I talk about on my site is the first thing, the first inclination you're going to have is you're going to want to beg. You're going to want to grovel. You're going to want to say, I'll do anything. I'll change anything. You know, uh, let's fix this. But that's, that's a mistake because you end up humiliating yourself and you end up pushing your spouse further away because they had an affair. There's definitely something wrong. There's something that they don't like about you. And so if you turn that on, then it pushes them further away from you because you become even more unattractive. Can I suggest too that 
by you chasing after her and trying to do anything that pleases her? Is that in your in your own head an admission that it must be your fault? No, it wasn't uh, in my head that it was my fault at all because I didn't even see this coming. I mean, it, it was a total surprise. I never thought she could do something like this because she she would always come to me and tell me something was wrong. She's the one in the marriage that is very vocal. And she calls me on the carpet when I'm doing something stupid. And that's how we've always operated. So, you know, she's pretty much an open book. She had been for 28 years. And so this just came completely out of the blue for me. And that's one reason I think it, it just set me back. And I, I think it, it happens to a lot of guys because a lot of times when things aren't going well in your marriage, you do, you know, put your energy somewhere else like your job or a hobby or something like that. And you keep telling yourself, everything's okay. We're going to get over this. You know, she's mad at me for some reason. I don't know why, but she'll get over it. We always do. It, but you never expect something like this coming. So how did you, how did you um, confront your wife on this? Well, when she came home, I told her, um, actually, I printed out some of the messages that she had had with this guy. And I confronted her, and she denied it. And so I brought out the printouts of what she had been communicating with this guy. And she had actually talked about the affair. When she, she had had the affair, luckily this guy lived about 10 hours from us. So she had gone to see a friend from high school. He lived in the same town. She had been communicating with him, and so she met up with him when she went to visit her friend. And so, like you said, a lot of guys would want to, you know, charge over and confront the other guy. But in my case, he was 10 hours away, and it wasn't that easy, and I think that was a good thing. But I confronted her. She denied it. Uh, she, when I brought out the printouts and showed her their conversation that I'd seen, she couldn't deny it anymore, and she broke down and started crying. Was that a significant turning point, or was that just part of the mess? That was just part of the mess. Because the affair partner, the, the one that's having the affair, they're in a fog. It's called the affair fog. Because if you think about it, when you're having an affair or having a relationship with someone outside of your marriage, you're only seeing the best part of that person. They're only showing you the best part. You're not waking up beside them every morning with bad breath, bad hair. You know, you're not seeing them brushing their teeth. You're not seeing them living, you know, yep. what, what goes on in a daily life. So you're in a fog thinking that this is a fairy tale mm -hmm. and it's so much better than what you've got right now that it's hard to communicate with somebody that's in a fog like that. How did you begin to communicate 
with your wife about what was going on? I mean, how in the world did you move forward? Obviously, you didn't move out of the marriage, and that was a big decision in itself. How did you work forward? Well, why don't we address that question first? Uh, did you did you did you want to leave the marriage? Did that was that ever more than just a passing thought for you, or you know, because some some men, I think, like Chris alluded to before, would just get up on a plane and and, and disappear. Was that something that you immediately thought, right? This is this is over. No, it's that's not my first thought at all. My first thought was I realized how much I loved that woman. Wow. And um and I I thought about our family and about our kids and about our uh, 1-year-old granddaughter. Hmm. And we had, our family has had a heritage of faith going back and I thought I just thought about the impact something like this would have on not just us, but on our whole family, on our church family, you know, and, and all those around us, it doesn't just affect the couple. Hmm. And so that, that was my first thought is, okay, I, I really love her. Let's fix what's wrong, you know, and, and let's get on with the rest of our life because I wanted to be married forever. Now we could talk about the minute detail tediously over a period of time and, and it would be fascinating but in headline terms you proved that it was salvageable yes and was that a really difficult road really difficult road like i said it's it's always an ongoing process because when someone betrays you the, the person closest to you who knows your most intimate details when they betray you and that trust is gone, you start to wonder if you can ever trust anyone again. And that's got to bring up, surely it's got to bring up things like anger. It's got to bring up things like bitterness, unforgiveness, all sorts of stuff you've got to wrestle with. Yes. It's a roller coaster because you're angry you go through extreme grief because you have to, you know, grieve what happened in your marriage. Um, it's just up and down, up and down. And like I said, it's, it's a tough thing to go through and it's not an overnight thing. It's not something where I, I said, I love you. I want to make this work. I forgive you. Let's go on. You know, forgiveness is not that easy for something like this. Hmm. It, it's a process. You can't just flippantly forgive someone. You know, they say forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. Yes, but you need, you need to work through that. What does forgiveness really mean? And I guess at the same time, your wife, Tawana, is going through an incredible journey of her own. She is. She, she was trying to figure out if she wanted to stay in the marriage. She's the one that wanted, had to figure that out. Since I said that I was committed, I wanted to stay in the marriage. She, at the initial few days, a couple of weeks, she was trying to contact this guy to see what he wanted to see if he wanted to leave his wife. And so I had to wait through that. And, um, it was tough because she was still in this fog 
And actually, I think she stayed in this fair fog off and on for over a year. And I guess every time that came to the fore, it was like a twist of the knife for you? Yeah, it, it was like going back to the beginning again. You build up so much trust, and then you find out she's been trying to communicate with him again, and then that trust just plummets, and you start over. So that's, that's why it takes so long, is because once trust is broken, then when you start to rebuild it, any breach of that trust again takes you right back almost to the beginning and you have to start over rebuilding that trust. Sometimes it even takes you, you know, past the beginning. It's like, you know, how could you do this? How could you still be thinking this when, you know, we're trying to make this work? One of Guy's comments in the introduction was about how that some people that have been through this process uh, would testify that the relationship is actually much richer for it. Uh, it sounds in some senses like you're still talking about the process being still underway, but how would you comment on that thought? Yes, the, I would say that the marriage is definitely better on the other side. It's because your communication gets much better. Um, and when you've got communication, you build more int intimacy, you build more trust. I think it, the reason I say it's a process is because rebuilding trust takes a long time and you don't forget. Uh, the beginning, there was probably every hour I was thinking about her betraying me. Then it got further. It would be every day. And then it would be maybe once a week. And then maybe once a month, you know, it might come to mind. Because there's all sorts of triggers when this happens. Mm. You might be watching a TV show, and just about every TV show has adultery in it. And so you'll see something going on there, and they're laughing about it, and you get angry. Because you're like, you know, that is not funny. And so there's all kinds of triggers that will bring those thoughts back to you. And so you have to, you have to do some inner work on yourself to get past those thoughts so that those thoughts don't come up. Again. So one of the, I guess one of the misconceptions that people often have, I think, is that they think, well, you just forgive and the forgiveness is a one-time thing. But it would be fair to say that you know, every time one of these triggers comes up, that you've got to revisit that forgiveness. You've got to re-forgive over and over. Is, would that be a fair comment? Yeah, it's a, definitely an ongoing process. I mean, that's part yeah. of marriage. Yeah, and so did you, find, did, you, did you find your wife getting angry at you for not just forgiving once and then you know, saying perhaps, well, why can't you just forgive me and let's move on? Did, did you have that conversation? We didn't exactly have that conversation, but yeah, definitely that came across like, okay, we've talked about it. You know, you said you've forgiven me. Why do we have to go back and revisit this? And, but it is, a, like I said, a, pro a process. And when she wants it to be in the past, right. Uh, 
and to and to move on. But yet, it's you know a hurt and betrayal of this nature just can't be dealt with in five minutes. No, it, that's why I say you have to work through the forgiveness. Mm. You know, I, the thing that I kept coming back to in forgiving, I could forgive her because. Uh, you know, I'm a man of faith, and I know what Christ has done for me, the forgiveness that I've received. And and as far as, you know, the sin of adultery, uh, that breach of trust, I have to think, you know, coming back to that story of, you know, he who is without sin cast the first stone. I, I am not perfect. Hmm. And so... I, I've got to be forgiven too. Yeah. And so you can't hold that over someone's head unless you want it held over your own. Well, let me pick up the question about your faith because you've mentioned that several times. What were some of the key support processes or the key assistances that you had in this whole process through your faith? Well, I had a really good friend who was the pastor at the church that I was a part of and serving in and I could go to him and I could talk um, anytime and he supported me. He cried with me. Uh, So it was a great, great resource. You've got to have somebody you can talk to. And especially, you know, if you're a person of faith, someone you can pray with and, um, Another part of the process was the book of Psalms just came alive for me because I could see David arguing and crying out to God and being angry with God. And that gave me uh, the courage to be angry with God and, and to pray some of the prayers like David prayed in the Psalms. You know, why have you forsaken me? Why... Why, you know, why didn't you stop this? You know, just cover me, God. Just, you know, cover me under your arm. So that that was a great healing process uh, faith-wise is, is being able to have a relationship with God where, where you can argue and, and, and be angry, and it's okay. Now, you mentioned earlier about your own activities or something about a site to support people going through this. I presume that's an outflow of what you've been through. Yes. My passion is to help, especially other men get through this process. If they've found that their wife has had an affair, I want them to know that you can survive it. It's not going to be easy but it is definitely worth it. Like you mentioned um, before, a lot of times marriages are much better on the other side of this. If you can work through it and you can survive it. And that's the same in our case. Uh, Our marriage is much better now than it has ever been, even from the beginning. And at the time of finding out about the affair, I never thought it possible. There was a, a book that I uh, read during that process. I probably read every book published on affairs and surviving affairs, but there was one, the title just really ticked me off. And 
the title was my husband's affair is the best thing that ever happened to me and i was like no that can't be the best thing that ever happened to you and and i won't say it's the best thing that ever happened to our marriage because there is so much pain there but it definitely woke both of us up and uh made our our marriage is better now on the other side of it well, how do men get in touch with your resources? What's your, your, your contact point? Yeah, my website is affairanswers.com. And I blog there and I have some information there. And I just want to encourage men that, yes, you can survive this. And uh, here's, here's my path. Here's how I did it. Here's the resources I used. And um, also want to put out some resources to maybe wake men up to say, hey, here's how you can prevent affairs. Here's some signs that maybe your marriage is heading that way. And so wake up and, and take action now. So if a man's just discovered or suspects that his wife has had an affair or having an affair, what is the, what's the first most important piece of advice that you'd give him right now? Yeah, the first thing that they need to know is it wasn't their fault. They are not to blame for their wife's affair. Yeah, there could be some things wrong in the marriage, and there probably is for an affair to take place, but it was your wife's decision to have the affair. She could have gone to counseling. She could have come to you. She could have done anything but betrayed you. So that was 100% on her, and it's not your fault. Okay. The second thing is don't make any major decisions. Like you said, some, some people would say, I'm through with this marriage. I'm done. But as I was telling you, you're in a fog. You're, you are in no position to make any type of major, major decisions, knee-jerk reactions like filing for divorce or you know, saying you're going to forgive immediately, anything like that. It's a process you have to work through. So, you know, don't make any major decisions. And then just realize it's going to be a process and your emotions are going to be on a roller coaster. And that's where a supportive person around you comes in. That's right. You'll find somebody you can talk to, either a best friend, a counselor. A lot of times they say uh, don't talk to family members, you know, especially like children. In my case, my daughter found out because she was there with me, and my son was away at college, and um, I had to tell him too since the, my daughter knew. But if at all possible, you know, don't tell your children, even if they're adults. I didn't tell any anyone else in the church, and and my pastor friend didn't either, because I didn't want their view of her changed because of this, because I thought if we come through this and come out on the other side, you know, they're not going to have gone through the healing process that I've gone through. They're, they're only going to hear the news and they're only going to, you know, think what people think and mm -hmm. gossip about. And so I didn't want anyone else to know other than my closest friend. Not, I didn't even tell my family, my mom and my sisters, anyone because I didn't want their judgment about her and their view of her clouded because 
she is not defined by what she did. She's defined by who she is. And if people find out something shocking like that, they start defining the person by what they did instead of who they are. And I did not want that. So, so what about, what about your kids? I mean, obviously you had adult children at this point in time, uh, well, near enough to adult children at this point in time. And we know how devastating it's pretty easy to find out how devastating divorces are on, uh, younger children, uh, teenagers and younger children. But how did this news affect their relationship with their mother and how have they gone through the healing process? It definitely strained their relationship. They were both very angry at her. And so they had to work through the process themselves of, of grieving. Uh, my daughter said that, you know, she based her marriage on our marriage because she thought we had a fairy tale marriage. And so then her idea of a fairy tale marriage was crushed. And, you know, I, I told her, I said, yeah, nobody's perfect. You can't, you know, put a fairy tale tag on anybody's marriage because, you know, you always work through things. And so uh, Tawana had to, you know, rebuild those relationships with her daughter and with her son. And uh, I'd say those relationships are as good or better than they were at the time because, uh, you know, it's, it's a process they work through. And how would Tawana summarize all of that now looking back? I mean, we're hearing your side of it and how you're, what does she say about this whole thing? Uh, she, she wishes she could go back and make different decisions. She's not proud of what she did. And she realizes, I believe that, you know, there were other avenues, but, um, you know, what's happened's happened. And so you can't go back and change the past. And so, you know, we're working through it. All right, Phil. Well, this has been uh, incredibly honest um, discussion. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about what is a very difficult, very sensitive topic, very emotional topic, and obviously one that even though this has happened, what, seven years ago? Uh, you're now into your 35th year of marriage. You're going to celebrate your 35th wedding anniversary, and you're coming down under for that, I understand, this year. Yeah, we're planning. We've always wanted to come to Australia, and we're planning on coming down in November, I believe, and staying about three weeks. Great. So uh, that would be awesome. I'd love to, love to catch up with, uh, with you both when you do that. But thank you so much for coming on the show. And I uh, do, do wish you all the best for... Uh, the year ahead and for uh, these resources and uh, that you're putting together, that you have put together online for helping other men. That's a tremendously courageous thing to, uh, to do. And uh, it's wonderful to hear that you have a passion for realizing that, you know, this experience is not something that you wish on other men, but it is something which is common for both men and women that with a lot of hard work and, with the, the work of the Lord as well, that you can come out the other side. So it's been wonderful to hear your story. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me on. Well, until next week then, thanks for listening. And don't forget to head over to www.realman247.org for more advice. 
more lifestyle advice that you can power your life on. Check us out on Facebook. That's bye for now. Bye for me. And thank you. We'll look forward to catching up to you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.